Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bengalis in New York show. My name is Arik and uh, we were repping it for, you know, the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and all over the world. So welcome and enjoy. Hi everyone, it's Cam. Welcome to the Boney Podcast. We have uh, a really special guest today, um, someone I've been wanting to talk to for a while, uh, Mufazal. Um, he's a treasurer for Brent O'Leary, who is running for city council in Northern Queens, where I live. Uh, and also, he's uh, the treasurer for Queens County Young Democrats. Welcome, Mufazal. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I th- uh, we met recently, and I wanted to talk to people that were more knowledgeable about politics than I am. Um, I think like after Trump, I think everybody wanted to like start to care more about politics because of everything Trump was saying and doing. But I'm still not f- involved and knowledgeable about politics. So I like talking to people that are. So like, what kind of stuff are you doing for for Brent? Well. I met Brent through a New York State Young Democrats convention. I had him in the economic development panel. Um, Elizabeth Crowley was there, and so was Brad Leonard, who's running for comptroller. Um, And I like how, in the way he talked about uh, economic development, based on uh, um, anti-gentrification, based on his stance against Amazon coming into Queens and New York City. And I just went up to him saying that, hey, I'm treasurer of uh, Queens County and Democrats, and I would like to be your treasurer, too. Uh, and he just took me in right away. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so now I'm like, um, the campaign, we ju- he just announced a few months ago, I believe, I think last year, which is like three years before the actual election. Um, so we're going slow, and we're going out into the meetings within the community, talking to people about what kind of change they want to see. Although Brent is a very progressive person, and so am I. Um, there are people who aren't as progressive in the district. They are moderate Democrats, and some of them are even Republicans. Okay. So, um, not that being a Republican is a bad thing. Everyone has is entitled to their own views and points. And we just want to work with everyone, because once you're in office, it's not about whether or not you're a Democrat or not. It's about whether you're representing your district properly. But it, it, And this is uh, something I don't know. For the city council election, if you're a Republican, a registered Republican, can you vote? So during primaries, I don't know during primaries, when you're um, if you're a registered Democrat, you need to vote vote for a Democratic. You can only vote in the Democratic primaries, not okay. in the Republican primaries. Same goes with the Republicans. And if you're an independent, you can vote in any primaries. Actually, so that's the case for city council as well, because I know that's the case for general election. So yes. that's the case for city council yes. as well. But during general election. To my knowledge, I might be wrong on this. I need to research this because a lot of people say a lot of things. Okay. But even if you're a Republican, you see, okay, a Democrat is better than a Republican candidate. You can actually vote for a Democrat. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, and um, I get confused, too, because I thought in New York, I thought it was state by state. I thought it was a state rule. And I thought in New York, yeah, and I thought in New York, if, uh, you couldn't uh, vote if you are, let's say, an independent in the... Democratic primary. Yeah, you cannot. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it gets confusing, but I, um, I, what made you get into politics? So, I, I grew up in a political family, and I never wanted to be in politics, because I've been in it. I, would, I was raised in it, and I didn't like it at all. Um, but after Trump got elected, uh, I thought that, okay, I have this in me, and uh, I, I might, I don't know if I'm talented enough, but since I have it in me, I could, I could try to make a change. 
And uh, I started to join the student government in, in Michigan. I went to school over there. But of course, that's not politics. That's more like representing your de department and your students in your department into the central um, university system. Okay. But uh, um, that kind of gave me an exposure into representation. And uh, slowly I thought that, okay, I have somewhat of representation experience. And maybe I can go into public uh, representation too by learning from what I learned, which was not too much because that's, again, that's just a school. But Trump becoming elected is what actually got me involved, yes. Mm. So I hear a lot of people saying that, and that's one of the positives of his campaign, right? You see a lot of people more engaged because of Trump. Yeah. So I think that's, that's interesting. But your parents were involved in politics in Bangladesh. My dad was. Okay. Yes. So, and that's a really dirty game. That's a very different that game is, than yes. here, right? Yes. I mean, you're talking, that's, I mean, at least here is no, at least for the most part, there's no violence or threat to someone's safety, which I think is a lot more prevalent in Bangladesh, right? In Bangladesh, yes. My dad actually moved back to the United States. He was running for mayor in uh, um, Mohi Bazar, which is a district in, in, um, in Silet. Um, apparently, he moved back to the United States because he was getting death threats. Wow. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's very dirty over there. People kill people in the daylight and everything. Um, in America, it's a lot more safer. Um, you, you don't get killed or... Well, there, there is... Uh, you do get killed, actually, but not as much. The politicians won't come and kill you. It's going to be their radical supporters, like what happened in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, a Trump supporter yeah. ran over yeah. a progressive young woman. Um, so now you work for Brent, uh, and I, I, do you find yourself aligned 100% with his stance on things and his values? Because I always feel, I tell people this all the time, there are people that... I don't agree with politicians. I don't. I don't agree with a hundred percent, and I don't agree with all of their policies. AOC is a perfect example. Uh, I don't agree with a lot of her policy stances, but I think she has a lot of energy and she's super smart and she's willing to do the work. So I would vote for her just for that. So, what are your thoughts on that? Do you have to be a hundred percent aligned to someone's stances? That's a good question because uh, usually what I do when I see two candidates, I weigh their policies, like which one is more meaningful to the community and for me and for my family, and then I go for that candidate. With Brent, however, I agree with him with, on everything with like 100%. If I do not agree, which never happened, but if uh, there a, a problem or a situation arises where he and I do not agree, um, we would rather have a conversation about it and uh, like to see how we can come to agree on in the to the like we try to we would try to find a middle ground so me being his treasure like basically puts me in his in the in the campaigns i'm i'm basically his uh, main person in the campaign right now mm. so like brent goes to one event i go to another event as brent's campaign person oh so wow. that's yeah. a lot of responsibility it is actually it's a uh, it can become very overwhelming. Wow. So it's very important that he and I stay on the same page regarding literally everything because when I go to these other meetings where, where he's not, I'm, I am Brent over there. So you're essentially like a chief of staff at this point? At this point, yeah. Oh, wow. Does he have a chief of staff? No, he does not, actually. Okay, so you're act, kind of acting yeah. as his chief of staff. Yeah, you could say So what, what else? What's your day-to-day -day look like with, when you're working for, uh, with, uh, with Brent? What, do you, what else are you doing for him? Usually it would be... Um, when I'm not seeing him, like when I when we don't see each other, I usually 
think about strategies of how to um, engage with other people or how to bring other people in. Uh, most of my day is actually thinking about his campaign and how to get him elected and win because election is two years from now mm -hmm. and anything can happen. If there's a special election by any chance, which there is, but that's like less than 1%, um, then I believe he's going to win. Like there is guarantee, but if, but if there's no special election and we just go with the normal routine, then there will be other people announcing and there will be challenges. So I think, and I cannot actually give out too much information regarding how his campaign is going right now. Okay. Um, but uh, I can tell you that it's going. It's uh, we're like reaching out all to to all the communities. Me as his treasurer, I try to fundraise. Okay. I reach out to people. Um, we are a grassroots campaign. We take donation and contributions only from the people because we want a government for the people and by the people and of the people, just like Abe Lincoln said. Um, we try to. Uh, we have policy meetings. Um, we also try to take um, opinions from the constituents regarding what kind of policies they would like to see passed in city council. Um, we don't, even if someone is strongly against us, we still want to listen and hear them out. Because at the end of the day, we're representing the whole district, and the whole district is very diverse. Yeah, there it are is. White people. Yeah, I mean, because he, he's, it's, uh, allies, it's Astoria, Woodside. A little bit of Astoria, borderline Astoria falls okay. into this area, okay. all of Long Island City. Okay. Um, all of, uh, some of, uh, I forgot the name, Ridgewood, um, all of Sunnyside, and a little bit of Woodside. Okay. So that, I'm just, 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 Thinking about the constituents in those areas, you have a lot of finance people, for example, in LIC where I live. So a lot of Republicans there, probably conservative people, um, probably Sunnyside and part of our story, a lot of minorities, Arab and obviously South Asian population. So you really, that is a very diverse population. It is, especially in Long Island City. Well, in Long Island City, it's more people... Um, who are in finance and in the corporate business sector, um, most of it is dominated by white people. Yeah. Um, when you go into Woodside and Sun well, Sunnyside, actually, you're going to see working class Irish people, yeah. Nepalese people, Bengali people, um, a little bit of Spanish people. Once you move a little bit closer to Jackson Heights, not too much of it, though. Uh, mm -hmm. A little bit of Woodside, that's when it's a little bit of um, uh, Latin American. Um, Ridgewood is uh, a little bit hippier. But uh, a little bit more, it's getting gentrified, so there are white people there, there are people from, like, Ridgewood is also, like... Wow, Ridgewood is hippie? I haven't yeah, been to it's Ridgewood. A, it is borderline really? Brooklyn, so it is wow. getting hippie. Wow, uh, I had no idea. Yeah. I need to check out Ridgewood. Yeah, so every time I go to Ridgewood, I'm like, am I really in Queens or am I in Brooklyn? Wow, wow, that's interesting. What, so, uh, what's, what are some of uh, uh, Brent's positions? Well, Brent is... Uh, um, Brent is diversity friendly. He he loves diversity simply because when he, his parents moved to um, United States, uh, um, they were working class Americans. He was working from a very early age. I believe from since he was twelve or thirteen, he was working in restaurants. He was working. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. He he worked in restaurants, bars. Um, he he then he became a, he ran for election. He against Jimmy Van Bramer, um, mm. uh, and he, he ran a very progressive, good campaign, and although he didn't win, he did better than what he expected. 
He went to law school. He went to uh, work in Japan, I think, for for a while. He learned Japanese. Wow! So he's very fluent in that. Um, so when it comes to Ben, he might look like a white guy, but inside he's very diverse. Yeah. Um, policy wise, he is totally for um, same gender marriage, marriage equity act. Um, he is also for affordable housing. Um, we uh, he supports uh, look from from our understanding affordable housing isn't really affordable anymore uh, <laughs> it more caters to rich people yeah um we want affordable housing to actually tar- be targeted towards middle class americans um as uh, now the saying is that rich people are getting richer but the number of rich people isn't increasing and the number of poor people is increasing and the middle class is just disappearing so, and yeah. h- housing plays a huge role into that. He wants to play a role in uh, decreasing um, homelessness, which also ties into um, uh, affordable housing. He wants to uh, help NYCHA actually have a plan in making their housing uh, projects a lot more safer. What's like NYCHA? New York City Housing Authority. Okay. They're responsible for all the projects like Ravenwoods, um, all the brick houses that you see a small neighborhood with low-income families living over there. Yeah. Um, he's also uh, all for education reform, mm. um, which would, one of our plans is to, we are closely looking at um, Elizabeth Warren's $50,000 student loan forgiveness per person. Um, and he also wants to promote... Um, I forgot. Uh, I forgot the other uh, one of one of the uh, other very important things, but I'll get back to that. Yeah, no, it's fine. Some yeah, I'm sure it's a lot of work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of fundraising. So you're doing a lot of networking, I'm sure. Um, what's uh? So would you would you recommend working for a campaign uh as a as a career option or working for a politician as a career option? Well, that is a tricky question with a very tricky answer. Yeah. Um. Well, what do your parents also think of it? My parents are no. Yeah. They, I need to tell... My mother, she's supportive because I tell her, I explain it to her. My mother is very easy to talk to. So I explain it to her that, listen, in the beginning, it's hard. I'm not going to get paid enough. Yeah. But in the long run, it's, it's going to be good. And I'm going to get paid enough to look after the family. My dad, on the other hand, is... You're a brown person, no one ever is going to vote for you. <laughs> so forget it, you're wasting your time. So you're saying you eventually do want to run for, for office? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, I do. You announced it here. We, we predicted Shahana's. Well, we didn't predict, but I think we asked her directly in our podcast, she's going to run, and she's gonna, she is going to run. Shahana Hanif. She's already running. She's yes. running. She's Shahana Hanif, she's run. She's Bangladeshi, she's running in Brooklyn for city council there. Yes, so she's really running for Brad Lander's uh, seat. Brad yes. Lander, she used to work for Brad Lander. Yes. And she still works for Brad Lander. Yes. And Brad Lander is run for controller. And uh, Brad and uh, Brent O'Leary, they actually get along very, oh, very cool. well. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah I, I think I actually met Brent. I, I realized I met him at another campaign event for Mary Habib. Mary Jubaida. Mary Jubaida, sorry. Yes. And he was there, I believe. So, yeah, I mean... Very recently, I'm really just learning about the political scene and how involved Bengalis are in the political scene in Queens and Brooklyn. So it's really, really exciting. But you have a day job too, yes. right? What's your day job? I'm a, well, I'm an estimator and sometimes I wear the hat of an assistant project manager for Tully Group. Okay, wow. So usually infra, government infrastructures like highways, bridges, tunnels, MTA, tunnels, 
stuff like that. That's what I do. I like analyze how much it would cost to actually make the project a reality mm. by uh, breaking it down into what kind of materials we're going to need, equipment we're going to le- need, and uh, how much the labor is going to cost. Wow, that's what you went to school for? Yes. That's what well, you went to Michigan State? Michigan Tech. Michigan Tech. And what was, what's the major, what's your, what was your major? Civil engineering. Wow, interesting. Wow, civil engineering, and uh, but you want to eventually get into politics. It's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I might you- go back to school for law. Wow, nice. Yeah, I do I got accepted uh, in Baruch for an MBA, but I'm not going to go. I just wanted to like test my skills. <laughs> so you took the GMATs? No, I took the GRE. Wow, you got into Baruch MBA. It's really difficult to get into Baruch yeah, MBA these yeah, days. Yeah, it is. Uh, did you on. like do you have did you say give me like a waiting? Can you eventually go if you wanted to? Um, if I wanted to, I actually deferred a semester you deferred, yeah. and then I deferred again. Um, I'm supposed to join in January, but I don't think I'm going to go. Wow. I, lo- I think Baruch's the best deal for your money. Yeah. yeah it's so cheap. Uh, like it, yeah. yeah, it is cheap. It's just that um, if I'm going to go for an MBA, then it really doesn't play into my goals. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, law school definitely plays better. It, it plays more yeah. into my goals. And also at the same time, like if I go for an MBA, I, I wouldn't be able to... I'll, I'll be taking more evening classes and not be able to get engaged with the community with law school. Although I will have to take some time off to study, it's going to be worth it because I'm going to be learning how to um, represent the people. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Definitely will be in handy. Would come in handy. That's cool. Um, what are your some of your thoughts on some key issues right now? Obviously, Trump's impeachment uh, is moving forward, uh, at least in the House. What do you think the likelihood of him being impeached are? And do you think, uh, and uh, do you think that it makes sense to move forward with what the Democrats are doing. Um, I've been divided on this issue for a while because I believe that a unity is required right now to win the 2020 election. And a lot of presidential candidates did drop out. But that unity needs to, still needs to be there. There are a lot of people saying, talking about Bernie or bust, that if it's not Bernie, they're not going to vote for anyone. So I think the Democrats should be, or I half of me thinks that the Democrats should be more concentrating on uniting the people who consider themselves to be Democrats, regardless mm. of whether it's a Bernie Democrat or a Warren Democrat or a Kamala Harris Democrat, it doesn't matter. Um, at the same time, I also believe that it's time for Democrats to show that they are strongest. I could say that it's time to show it two years later, I mean, a year later, not even a year later, I think six months from now. We could do that then, or we can do that now. Um, uh, the Democrats, one of the things with them is that the Republicans, when they want to do something as radical as it may be, they go for it. The Democrats, yeah, and they're unified. Yeah, they're yeah. very unified. Yeah, even now with defending Trump, even now they're so unified in defending Trump. You see very little outliers. I think Mitt Romney's the only senator so far that's come out against or... or, or said anything negative about Trump's phone call with the Ukrainian Prime exactly. Minister. Exactly. Every other senator has been either quiet or been very defensive of Trump. Exactly. So they even even and it's ridiculous for them to defend what he said and did. I mean it's absolutely ridiculous if you listen to the transcript. Yeah, if you and, if you read the transcript. And that's why if the Republicans are so united, um, the Democrats could act right now 
to impeach Trump in the House. A Republican did say that if it's a secret vote, 35 senators are going to go against Mitt Romney. Him, Mitt Romney no, I'm sorry. Somebody said that. Yeah, I yes, believe that. But th- that's not really possible. That's not possible. So that's so I, you know, that's why I asked you that question, because I feel like it is pointless, because the House is going to impeach him, and then the Republican, the... Uh, Republican-controlled Senate is isn't going to proceed, so it's really pointless to me. And I feel like it does. I, I feel like, uh, it, and it, it really, what what it also does is emboldens the their base. And I'll give you an example of that because I just saw a commercial, and they specifically outlined the issue of Democrats trying to impeach Trump to raise money for the Republican campaign. Uh, so it, it, it's helping them raise money. The fact that Democrats are impeaching them. Yes, yeah, so because uh, Elizabeth Warren, I, I believe this was in Boston. She was coming or going into an airport, and a lot of Trump supporters were behind her, asking her to not impeach. I find it funny because now they're begging Democrats. But yes, it it, it is creating a counter wave to the blue wave. Yeah, and they are raising a lot of money. Um, a lot of millionaires are jumping in to save Trump. Um, but but there's like if Democrats are very strategic about it, the senators, the Republican senators, they still are obliged. They they have to go with the law, uh, and if they don't, they have to realize that they will be voted out of the office. And it happened to a lot of the uh, uh, Republican um, congressmen. They got voted out of the office, and a Democratic congresswoman or man became the congressperson for that district. So they have to realize that if they don't go with the law, they will be at one point taken out of office. Mm. So if the Democrats are very strategic about this, Mm. I think they can actually impeach Trump. The question is, how long is it going to take? Because the primaries are like knocking on the doors right now. So it's more about how you want to concentrate on yeah. these two topics. But it, but it's, you know, the House, of course, will probably most likely impeach him, but it's the matter of will he be removed from the office? And I don't you know, it just sounds like, it sounds like the Senate's, you know, Senate will not... As of right now, the Senate will not, no. Will not, but I, I think what you're saying is it's not really about removing Trump from office, it's about the congressmen and women saying, we tried, this is what we did, and and then that'll uh, not hurt them in their re-election election yes. campaigns. So yeah, the, yeah, that makes that makes sense to me. I, I just yeah, I just I just want this period of Trump gone to be like completely over. I want to go back. Yeah, I want to go back to where you know politics is boring. That's one thing I think he's <laughs> done, he's done right. He's made politics kind Exciting. of like entertaining. It's like Kardashians, right? It's like yeah. it's like watching the Kardashians. I mean, he did have a reality show of his own. Oh so. my god, it's just ridiculous to me that. You know this guy is is our pre- is our is our president. That goes back to what I was saying earlier. I don't care. The, the, my somebody's stance is important, but to me, it's more important is how 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 intelligent someone is and how much work they're willing to do. And especially, and this is probably the most important is the people that someone surrounds themselves with. Like that's more important. Like I. I I characterize someone based on the people that are supporting of them. Like so, like I don't know Brent for a whole in the like I don't know him at all. But the fact that you're supporting him gives you know puts a lot of weight for me. So like so if you think about the people that are around Trump, these are just like the the biggest douchebags on the planet, and and just like the the most 
corrupt people ever, and I, I would just based on that. Well, and I wouldn't yeah. say corrupt people. Well, there are very corrupt people around him supporting him, but there are also working class Americans supporting him. Um, people no, people. Who, I'm sorry, people in his office. I mean, yes, his office, his office is completely corrupt. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Of course, his people that probably are. Um, they were given hope. Yeah, given hope, and or you know, you know, tricked. I yes, guess a lot of ways to vote for him. So no, no, definitely not the people that vote for him, but in his campaign. And I think the only person that's actually left from his original campaign is Ben Carson, right? He, yeah, but he, I, isn't he? St- I think he's still the secretary of housing. He is. Yes, he's yes. the only person left from yes, the original yes, cabinet. Yes, 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 yes. I actually have had a former colleague now works for Ben Carson. I don't give his name, but he now works for Ben Carson in the in HUD, and this person's like a housing expert. And Ben Carson's a doctor. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it, I, f- I find it ridiculous that uh, one of the best surgeons in the world, yeah. or United States, who yeah. should be probably in the health sector or something, yeah. Yeah. is determining housing. And I also understand that maybe he could make a difference. He understands a lot about health since he's a doctor. In that case, he should be paying a lot more attention to public housing, which he's not. Because um, New York City public housing is full of gangs, it's smells like uh, urine in the elevator it's disgusting and uh, as a federal person he should have some um accountability and responsibility to fix this if this is a new you're happening in new york it's happening everywhere in the united states he's not doing anything about it yeah no i so with ben carson i i do believe that some people are smart enough and they have the core competencies to do uh, leadership take leadership jobs, and that is a very leadership job. I mean, he's not there, you know, writing reports, right? Ben Carson's right. not writing reports. But real estate, I worked for a real estate firm for two years. There's so many nuances with real estate at that level, that, and you have to really have a grasp of it. I can't imagine my, like I said, my colleague who's who's who really senior now at at, um, at FHA, and I can't imagine this guy's such an expert having con- having a conversation with Ben Carson about real estate law and policy. I just can't imagine him doing that. I mean. And Ben Carson does also doesn't doesn't seem like somebody that's willing to like learn from other people. I don't know. I I don't know him, but I just get that. I, just get that I, I feel like he's a very arrogant person. Yeah, ex- exactly. But anyway, uh, I, yeah, I can talk about Trump and his cronies forever. I don't, I don't <laughs> have to start doing that. Talk about some social issues. So you and uh, if you want to speak for Brent, what are your some some of your stances on social issues such as? And access to social welfare. A lot of the, one of the candidates, uh, Andrew Young. Andrew Young. Yeah, he talks. Talks a lot about um, uh, basic income, universal basic income. What are your thoughts on that and other social uh, social uh, benefit platforms? So, first of all, since we're back to Brent now, I, I forgot about one of the issues that he's supporting. The other issue that I just remembered is transit issues. Our trans- transit sucks, and he wants to be a part of fixing that. Oh, In no. terms of uh, um, social issues, uh, um, I don't think everyone should be entitled to welfare, social welfare. I think people should, that, and this is me personally speaking, actually. Everyone should be working to get their livable wages, but at the same time, the government should be helping them based on your income level. For example, if I were to be making $20,000, I should actually be helped by the government um, regard, uh, regarding medical expenses because, uh, let's face it, the, the medical expenses in the United States are ridiculously high. Um, but it doesn't mean that I should be given free things out because that way um, the country will fall. Uh, so it, sh- it should be a case-by-case yeah. uh, scenario. Yeah. If everyone is given um, 
everything for free and the social welfare is all over the place with everyone, even millionaires are going to get their benefits for free and they won't have to spend their money. Yeah. And uh, millionaires, they actually get money by not paying taxes. They get tax cuts. Yeah. So which is why I'm also in favor of taxing their wealth. Yeah. Something that Elizabeth Warren is promoting. Yeah. Um, they... Uh, and yeah, so I, 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 don't, I don't really believe that um, so, social um, welfare should be just be distributed just because the government can or someone yeah. can get it. It has to be a case by case. Yeah, and yeah, I agree with that. And people should work for, for what they get. And what do you think about Andrew Yang's um, universal basic income? $1,000 for everyone. I, I, I didn't get to look into that, actually, although... You asked me to look into that a while ago, <laughs> but I didn't get the chance. Um, but I think there should be some, based on the general idea that everyone should get $1,000 per month. But ba just based on that idea, I think not everyone needs to have that. Not a, a millionaire, billionaire doesn't need to have that. Yeah. Um, I don't need to have that. Uh, and I'm admitting that. I don't need to have that. Um, my sister, on the other hand, she's a student. She goes to school and she doesn't have time to work. Yeah. So she might need to have that, unless I claim her as my dependent or something. Um, retired people who can't pay medical bills need to have that. Uh, in one of the, I think it's in Tennessee, um, they are limiting med Medicare for older people. So they will need that $1,000. So it's that again. The universal basic income income should be a case by case basis on people on based on people who actually needs it rather than just giving it out. Not everyone should be entitled to that. Yeah, yeah, and also just my view about social welfare is, yeah, I think one thing you were saying, I I really feel like a lot of these things need to be temporary, and I say that because I grew up in Brooklyn and I knew a lot of kids that lived in you know the projects, and their parents lived in the projects and the grandparents lived in the projects. It was a generational thing, and it shouldn't be a generational thing. I think uh, I think the government should be there when you need a helping hand, but then when you get your back on your feet, then it's up to you. Yes, and this is one one of the things. Actually, one of my friends said that there are a lot of people cheating the system, and that is true. A, lot, a lot of people, people are cheating the system by not showing their taxes and so of on. Of course, yeah, yeah, and um, you have to find ways to cut through that. There's, yes. you know, and frankly, so if if these welfares are just being a generational thing then people will learn to cheat the system, yeah. which is why any kind of benefits being given out should be a one-time thing. I agree with everything Elizabeth Warren or, and or Bernie Sanders said, but I don't believe that to be a permanent fix. I it shouldn't be that permanent, should be a yeah. term, temporary yeah. fix, and then we should go back to a yeah. market basis. And also, the, and a lot of the candidates talk about free college and things like that. Bernie talks about that. And my feeling about that is free college already exists. I don't know. I got. I went to Baruch for undergrad, and I went for free because my parents made very little money, and I got financial aid. So free college, free college, in my mind, does exist for people that can't afford it. Now, if I wanted to go to an Ivy League at that point, and I was a good enough student, I would have gotten in, and you know, I would have gotten scholarships to and have had that have that paid for me. But if for like a local school, for like a CUNY or a SUNY, I can. If your parents don't make enough. You can get financial aid to go. So I don't know what you mean. And I, I don't think it should be free for rich people. I think if your parents can afford to pay for CUNY and SUNY, 
I don't think they should get free college. Yes, that is also one of the yeah. things that I've been all, always been wondering. If it, if it becomes free, it becomes free for everyone, even people who can actually pay for it. I don't, I don't like that. And yeah. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that idea. So, um, the progressive wave, and I'm going to be hated for saying this, actually, the, but the progressive wave nowadays is being run by privileged white people. That's interesting. Because they've never really... Yeah, they've never had... They never, ever faced what I faced as a person of color. Because I think most people that... I I feel like most people that have come here, my parents, and they've worked really hard, your parents worked really hard, they don't... I mean, we're we're a prideful community. I don't want free things. And frankly, the money that the government paid for Baruch, uh, for me to go to Baruch for free, I mean, I paid that 10 maybe 40 times back in taxes, right? And I think most people are fine with that. I'm fine with paying that back. In, uh, and But I think for that to, for, you know, for financial, for, for everybody to be, have free college. And the other problem with, for everybody to have free college, that means it dilutes the value of college. Yes, it does. Right? Like now, if, if I have, if everybody had a free, had a college degree and I have a college degree, then it really doesn't mean anything because I have, a, everybody has a college degree. Yeah. But if you're someone that actually, and also the other thing is, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm against, like, obviously, people, there's uh, 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 predatory lenders out there, and people have, you know, $100,000 in loans, I'm not for that, but I do think, like, a little bit of debt, not $100,000, but I feel like having a little bit of debt, a little bit of college debt, I think is actually, is a bit beneficial to people, because it'll force them to, like, get their stuff together. In one way, yes, and also it might help them, like, get a credit score and everything like that, yeah. but, uh, um... Uh, yeah, you have to be very, very careful of how and who you take your loans out from. And uh, yeah. the, and uh, one of the things that's very important is to actually find out who are the predators in the loan industry, which is why, and we're going to, by saying this, I'm going to go out into a completely different field, but the tax medallion mm. scam. Oh, yeah. It was people were... Crazy. People committed suicide. I know. I've talked and to a lot of people about that. Yeah. Yes. Adrian Adams is... Uh, Try, council member Adrian Adams is trying try to come up with um, a policy to or I think she already has I forgot if she already has or not but they had a hearing about this a few day, days ago a few, a few weeks ago um, where um, they spoke about how uh, loan servicing providers scammed people into buying medallions and then out of nowhere those, they couldn't pay that loan back so the government has to take responsibility and accountability into um, finding out who are these people and how they can, uh, how to, I would say, the wor- use the word punish these people for scamming yeah. desperate people who are desperate in need of education or medallion or license, whatever, um, so that working class people like you and me, we don't get tricked. Yeah. Yeah, so the medallion thing is really interesting. The New York Times did a whole expose on them. The interesting thing about the medallion bubble because it really was a bubble right yeah was that at one point they a medallion a taxi medallion cost 1.5 million dollars and for a long time it was lucrative so the guys that bought it for let's say 20 years ago bought a medallion for one hundred fifty thousand dollars maybe like 10 years ago they were able to sell it for like six hundred seven hundred thousand dollars so those guys made money and they were also able to rent it out the problem that the city didn't recognize was the ride sharing companies so uber and lyft and what happened is that when the city gave out medallions it told the drivers of the people that bought the medallions this medallion represents your exclusivity to drive in this city okay you have this medallion it's really valuable because no one else can pick up passengers in this city right 
That's why it's worth so much money and people were willing to pay that much. But then they allowed Uber and Lyft to do the same exact thing for $400 or whatever it takes to get an Uber license. So all these people that spend all this money for their exclusivity to be able to pick up customers in Manhattan, they lost that exclusivity. You know, and it's really interesting. I didn't think about it that way, but there was in the New York Times they talked about. It, they interviewed one of these guys. They were like, "It's like, it's like NBC. Let's say they get the rights to show the NFL Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden, the NFL goes also shows it to ABC. Like that. That, that that's exactly what what New York City did. Yes. So these people's values of these medallions went down significantly. And it's yeah. And it, honestly, like hearing about these people that that committed suicide. I mean, that's that's just that's super sad. Yeah. Felt really really bad for those people. But um, how about some other social issues? I know you actually got some interesting questions from some of your followers on Instagram. Uh, someone wanted to know what do you think about the pay gap, the gender pay gap uh, between uh, males and females. Well, the question was actually a lot of people will say that a gender pay gap means to have that there are two genders. And uh, first of all, um, I do believe that there is a gender pay gap. The, like a white woman, she gets paid less than a white male. And then there's a white person of color woman who gets paid than a, less than a person of color male. That person of color woman also happens to get paid less than a person of, uh, I mean, a white uh, white female. Yeah. And a person of uh, color male also gets paid or equal to a uh, white female. Mm. And so, and I'm just using the word male and female or woman or uh, man uh, to make it simple. Um, so there is this, uh, this problem does exist. And it, it, it's a subconscious problem people don't actually realize it employers don't realize that and to answer my friend's question is that no just because there is a gender pay uh, gap it doesn't mean that um gender uh, yeah it doesn't mean that there are only two genders because there are also transsexuals they don't even get hired and even if they do get hired they get paid minimum wages or a little bit more but not as much um they don't get housing they get kicked out of their houses yeah they're forced into sex work Mm. and uh, sometimes Actually, most of the time, they get killed. So, um, the, the gender pay gap, it doesn't mean if there are two genders. The word gender can be transsexual, it can be trans uh, male, trans uh, female, it can be just male or just female. It, it varies. Yeah. But the mo- most important thing is that regardless of what you identify it as, you should be getting paid based on how you perform, not based on your gender. Yeah. No, absolutely. It should be a meritocracy. And especially, I mean, South Asian, speaking about transgenders in the South Asian committee, it's such a taboo topic. And uh, how, I don't even know where to start on how to try to approach to change uh, people's mindset in the in, South Asian mindset. In, in, the, in the South Asian community, and there are... Um, me and my friends, we use this word uncles, as you already know, the South Asian uncles. Um, we see them as these people who are actually South Asian Republicans just supporting the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party passed the Civil Rights Act. Um, but these uncles are actually conservative and they really don't talk about gender issues. They don't talk about um, transgender issues. Um, they don't want to even hear about it. They think it's blasphemy. They think it's anti-religion. Um, 
I'm not saying anything against religion. Everyone is entitled to their religion. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you go against basic human rights. Whatever happens religiously in regards to religion, that's for God to judge. That's not for you and me as a human who I, as a person, I have major faults in myself. Who am I to judge someone else just for saying that, okay, I was born in a male body, but I think I'm a female. People were born in certain ways with a certain mindset. And they can't really change that. Yeah. We need to have conversations with our parents. We need to have conversations with our older generation. And they might not agree with us. They might never agree with us. But at least they know where we stand. But if we hide from that, if we live two different lives, we're essentially deceiving them. And I know it's hard to go up to your parents and be like, hey, I support this. Because we're going to get a beating, let's be honest <laughs> here, or get kicked out. But I think it's time... I did that with my dad. Oh, I, I did that with my dad. I told him, hey, I don't agree with you. What did he say? And uh, he kicked me out. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, and then he, he called me back home. So He kicked you out of the house? Yeah, like, he told, told you to leave? Yeah. Because you, you, you show, showed support for LGBT rights? I showed support for LGBT rights. I showed support for Jewish rights. I showed support that we should oh, not yeah. be anti-Semitic. Oh, so yeah. my dad being the religious guy extremely religious guy that he is he did not agree with me so we he didn't he, he told me to get out he said that i cannot stay at home and i did get out wow I, I, I was like okay freedom to me thank you but then he called me back home and you know he understood that okay i will never agree with you on this point that's funny but you do what you gotta do yeah and at the same time he said that like it's better if you quit politics but that's him but if we are honest about who we are if we don't live double lives if we actually tell our parents that this is what you're going to do and there's and we're not doing anything bad yeah it's it's difficult having those conversations i can i can't say i can have that conversation with my parents i maybe one day but i i, I mean meaning just like talk about you know lgbt rights or you know i know my sister who's young and she she she's like she wants to probably start talking to my parents about that kind of stuff also like she you know she doesn't have an op- you know about LGBT rights and stuff like that, or what they think. Cause this having this weird having a conversation with your parents. It is about weird, and like it that. does. Uh, like I'm saying, here, just go and talk to your parents. But when I say just go talk to your parents, it doesn't mean like you start talking to them right away. Cause like they're gonna be yeah blown away. It takes time. Like at one day, just talk about male female, and then talk about okay the third gender. Just don't even say LGBTQ, cause that's like they don't yeah. want to hear. And then slowly get into it. And then at one point get into a hot debate. And trust me, it's not going to end well. Yeah. But eventually, one day, it's going to end well. Yeah. So what do people? how do people find out about you? Uh, where do people find out about Brent's campaign? Um, how, and how can they support? Um, well, we have a, um, a, a, a website set up, O'LearyForCouncil.com. Okay. Um, or you can just Google his name, Brent O'Leary. Okay. Um, but we are still working on the website. We have a Facebook page, O'Leary for uh, Council. Um, comment, like, share. You can all, always reach out to me. Um, What's by, your IG? Um, my Instagram is M as in Mary, H as in uh, Henry. Um, we'll put it there. on the on the uh, page as well. Yes, M Ho- M Hosa M H O S S A one zero. Um, email, I mean, message me on Instagram. You can also email me at Mufazil, um with the Democrats at Outlook.com or just shoot me a Facebook message. I, I'm always there, actually. And you can also add Brent, I believe, Brent O'Leary. Great. 
message him. His Instagram is also O'Leary for Council. Yeah, I've started following him. Uh, it seems like he's really involved in the community, yes, which is, is cool. Yeah, I hope he does well. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm, you know, I'm willing to support in any way we can, especially it's my neighborhood. So I definitely want to see it, see the neighborhood thrive. So, and maybe become a little bit more affordable. So yeah, yeah thanks for coming on. A really interesting conversation. We'll have you back on hopefully. Yes, I uh, just wanted to say, by the way, um, whatever I said over here is strictly my opinion. It does not involve anything with Queens County Young Democrats at all, um, because uh, this is just me as a person talking. <laughs> gotcha. Thanks, everyone. Bye. and pearls, yeah, yeah, Bengal is a New York, all over the world, uh, it's the bony show, uh, hey, can you handle this, representing the boroughs where the bangles live, from the slang we spit, to the gangs we with, it doesn't matter, we the essence of the Bangladesh, I say, hey, come on, can you handle this, representing the boroughs where the bangles live, from the slang we